Greetings, most excellent Theophilus. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's episode was actually recorded last night. Why? Because my church is having a really weird COVID-edited retreat where it's actually we go home and sleep and come back in the morning. Um, so I won't have time to record tomorrow because even if I did have the time tomorrow, I would not have the internet uh, or phone service capabilities to do so. So I'm doing this now. It's 10.53. Oofda. Two questions from the TikTok. We have, what are your thoughts on Calvinism? And what are my thoughts on the papacy? Um, the latter from being from one Max de Moy. The other, I don't remember. I don't have my other phone here to look at that. My head hurts and I'm in a time crunch, so... I am sorry, O Theophilus, who sent that other question. Or was it Max Demoy who sent the Calvinism thing? Oh, goodness. I find that Calvin focused too much on God's eternal gaze, and that Arminius focused too much on his own feet. That's a little epitaphical... Uh, statement I came up with to basically say Calvinism focuses almost solely on God um, in a way that seems to not take into consideration um, other perspective. Um, and Arminianism focused too much on man's perspective and gave gives little inclination to God's. Thoughts on the papacy. Sham. Foolish. Um, Gregory the Great invoked uh, the following passage over the notion of a bishop being above all of the other bishops. Uh, he invoked Isaiah 14, uh, 12 onward, uh, which reads originally, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. This is the part that was quoted um, by, by Gregory. Is the bishop not saying, um, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above all of the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the whole world a desert? Who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home? To invoke such a passage is to bring a, quite a harsh condemnation of against someone who simply thinks they're perhaps a superior apostle, perhaps by lineage or stature or prowess. 
and papal infallibility exists in such a way that it cannot be proven nor disproven. If the Pope is not deemed an anti-Pope, um, then the things he declared were infallibly declared. If he is, then he wasn't speaking with infallibility. And most popes don't speak ex cathedra, so they don't give uh, argued uh, what, what Catholics argue as the standard for an infallible teaching. Meanwhile, however, they do espouse their own views, which can oftentimes disagree with the church, which I find quite interesting, how you can espouse a view and that's not considered teaching it. Um, when I when I state the things I do that are under the context of me believing them, I would agree with someone that that is what I am teaching, because I'm espousing that viewpoint. Um, my treatise Mechanicus Salutis, is, my treatise on the mechanics of salvation, is not just a philosophical trifle. It is how I um, digest the information the Bible has given me regarding the mechanics of salvation. So, honestly, in practical function, um, the writings of a pope that talk about their views are basically their teaching. They're imparting teaching to those who lend an ear. And if, as such goes the doctrine, when they teach or speak ex cathedra, they are infallible, well, you know what we should expect. And on that note, I'd like to question something interesting about Sedevacantists. So there is this position within the <laughs> universal, united, holy, apostolic church called Sedevacantism. These are people who disagree with the current standing papacy. Um... <clears throat> uh, the uh, Protestant equivalent are uh, progressive Christians. <laughs> That's a joke for the boys. Um, but no. I s see they would be considered heretics, actually, by some Calvinists. Uh, no, Calvinists? Sorry. Catholics. Sorry. C words. Um... um because they don't adhere to the Pope. The thing is, is that we don't know whether a set of a contest is right until who knows how long after their current Pope has um, been no more. They might be declared an anti-Pope, and therefore the set of a contest should actually be vindicated in his rebellion against the acknowledgement of said Pope. And the idea of being under a single holy apostolic um, bishop is not scriptural. Uh, we are to be under our local um, leaders, the presbyteros, um, the whatever the word was that meant elder, but our great archehuros, um, our great high priest, 
is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is not a functional priesthood in the New Covenant uh, beyond Christ. We are all, because we are sons of the because we are sons of adoption of the God Most High, we are all born into a royal priesthood. But the sacrifice of this priesthood, the administration of this priesthood, is spiritual sacrifice in worship. In fact, actually, <laughs> to make this a program, let's actually just read through 1 Peter to see his point. Ah! Okay, <clears throat> from the NIV. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout, the Pont throughout Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Bithynia uh, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, ooh, there's a theological note, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by his blood. Ooh, priests sprinkle blood. Uh, grace and peace be yours in abundance. You know, what's interesting is that each member of the Trinity is mentioned there. Um, for knowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us um, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by his blood. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It should be nor fade to be grammatical. Um, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10. Concerning this uh, salvation, the prophets who spoke of that grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest of care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow him. I'd like to make a note. I'd like to make a note. Uh, that would be First Peter uh, one eleven. is a great, great 
um, argument against anyone who believes that Christ is uh, was not pre at the very least pre-existent. It says that the prophets had the spirit of Christ. Um, <clears throat> Galatians says this too uh, in her opening uh, chapter or or uh, few. Um, it refers to the spirit of Christ in a context that would also be equally reasonable to say the spirit of God the Father or God in general. Which we know if Jesus is God from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Psalm 90, verse 2. Last clause. Back to the text with verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope on the grace to be given you when, Christ, when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as... He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on the Father, who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world and was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. That's Isaiah 40, 6 through 8. A beautiful passage. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him by living stone, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, 
I lay a stone, a chosen and precious, a stone in Zion, sorry, a chosen and precious stone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, quote, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or keystone and a stone that causes men to stumble, a rock that will make them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that although they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Verse 13 of chapter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, to every human, to every authority instituted among men, whether to king, the supreme authority, or governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to command those who do right. Commend, not command. For it is God's will that by doing good you shall silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Oh, so... Stephen, you should rescind what you said earlier. You should listen to the government and always 24-7 mask up and get that vaccine. No. I'm not going to roll over to the government when it declares uh, things that are actually directly against the word of God to be perfectly fine. Um, I'm not going to listen to the government when they deny science because they're telling me to follow the science. And the science says that the masking doesn't work. It actually increases my chances of getting sick. I'm not going to follow the science when the science says that it takes about five years, at least for the kind of vaccine they are putting out for the coronavirus, uh, for us to fully know whether it's safe or not. Um, I'm just, in general, I'm not going to trust the government. I'm an American. It's kind of part of my blood not to really trust the established government. Um, and just in general, I don't see um, man-made authority um, sending governors to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. That's what they're supposed to do, but we all know stories of that not being the case. Are we supposed to listen to those authorities? who punish the righteous and permit the unrighteous. I say by no means. I say protest. True protest that's peaceful, that's loud, and that makes itself heard, but is peaceful. Not a store looted, not a window broken, 
and it should be led by men of God, not by sons of Satan. The anger with which we should lead such blatant sedition should be a righteous anger for the blaspheming of the law of God, which was the backbone of our country. That is what we ought to do, if you ask me. And if you find my opinion to be out of line with scripture, please bring it up. Bring up the verse. I'll look at it. <clears throat> Back to the text. Verse uh, 16. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of injustice, of unjust suffering, because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. Isaiah 53, verse 9, quoted here by Paul of Christ. Quoted many times, I once had a person claim, I once had, people I once had a person question where Isaiah 53 was referenced in the New Testament. At the time, I didn't know that well, but now I know very well. It's quoted multiple times by the apostles. Here is one such example. Uh, verse 23. When they hurled their insults at him, did he not retaliate? He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that he might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is, he's, Peter here is beautifully taken in actual moment of Isaiah 53. Uh, actually, let me read it. Uh, let me read that real quick and come back to this so that you can understand what I'm what I'm getting at here, what not what I'm getting at, what Peter is uh, getting at. Um, <clears throat> 53 verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty nor majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten, and afflicted by him. 
he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that has brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. Let me read that one more time for emphasis. The punishment that has brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who could speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was Yahweh's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though Yahweh makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of Yahweh will prosper in his hand, and after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils of the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Hallelujah. So now we see, now we see Peter bringing it, bringing this to bear that passage that you should follow in his steps he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled yeah the verse 24 is when it brings up he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness i misread that earlier by his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What a beautiful recreation. What a beautiful fulfillment. Christ said that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Here we see a fulfillment. Chapter 3, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When, you, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should come from that of your inner self, the fading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I may lose my voice doing this, Theophilus. I've been doing... I've been doing kind of a, a zombie voice all evening. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. I'm Nope, no more of that. 
Alright, back to the text. Had a little uh, distraction. Um, verse 5. For this is the way of the holy woman. Sorry, women of the past who put their hope in God. Uh, who put... Oh, wait, what? For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if putting my phone like that affected the audio. My apologies. My apologies. But that's interesting. If we're believers... If you're Catholic, you'd think we're the daughter of Mary, but here it says, rather, of Sarah. Hmm. 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 Verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect. As the weaker partner, and as heirs with you, of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, be com uh, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak malice against you God, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their splendor. Splendor? Slander. Sorry. 17. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all. For the righteous, uh, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive by the Spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago, when God waited patiently with the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it were only a few people, eight in all, uh, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a good conscience, Towards God. Oh boy. To 
Does that teach baptismal regeneration? Well, no, because baptismal regeneration doesn't make sense if you understand regeneration through even a modicum of biblically accurate theology. If the one with the heart on the flesh cannot do anything pleasing to God, and if we, if God is going to take out the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh, and it's that heart of flesh that wants to live for him, then how could the regenerate ever be the one, how could, sorry, how could, how could the one, the eunuch in Acts, was he, was he unregenerate? Did he have a heart of stone and of malice toward God uh, when he said, here's water, why don't we, why don't I be baptized now? Or did, was he regenerate? And that was why he wanted to be baptized. Not he, but Christ living in he. I think it might be that latter statement. <clears throat> it saves you by the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. So not by the process of actually going through baptism, but by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, and is at God's right hand, 22, with the angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Four, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he who does not live with the rest of his earthly life uh, for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Uh, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life, sorry. Um, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what those pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same food of flood, sorry, flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is already the judge of the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might turn the page be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near, verse 7. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers in over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it as one he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever.
and ever. Amen. Dear friends, verse 12, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. For it, is, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And, quote, If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly sinner? <clears throat> Chapter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Oh, Peter saying fellow elder, not superior elder, not a, not a primarch, not a, <clears throat> not a apostle, not like a, not a, what's it called? Any of the, any of the titles actually that apply. Um, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Do not be greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording over it, over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So Peter, to whom was reinstated and said, feed my sheep, he calls his fellow workmen shepherds and calls the body of Christ, who are not shepherds, the flock. <clears throat> Verse 5. Uh, that was a Catholic apologetic. Uh, polemic, whatever you want it. Uh, verse 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because, quote, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. <sighs> sorry, sorry, tired. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. 
stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen to gather with you, chosen together with you, sends her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another <laughs> with a kiss of love. Ah, culture. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Beautiful, beautiful letter from one of the great apostles. So yeah, the point was made in the first what, two chapters. We are we are God's chosen. We are God's um, priests. Uh, royal priesthood. There we go. That's what I was trying to get to. Sorry, tired things. Life. There is no hierarchy. Of there, there is no, there, there is all there is the body of Christ, and there is Christ Himself. <laughs> so no, I find the testimony of the early church and of Scripture to be in opposition with the idea of a papal uh, supremacy, primacy, existence. Um, show me where in scripture any form of honorific is offered to Peter, any sort of honoring um, act in the same way it is to God the Father, to Christ. Um, we have um, Peter and Acts getting bowed to Yet he says, no, 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 not gods, not gods. But we have, by the 15th century, at least, um, people being completely prostrate before an altar Christus. Not even the Pope himself, an altar Christus, another Christ, a bishop, a priest, a priest. Yeah, we're all priests under the new covenant. What I find appalling, Theophilus, is not simply that the Catholic views are held, it's how they're held, it's what they imply. Scripture speaks of the faith once delivered to the saints. Catholicism espouses partial faith once delivered, the rest received through oral tradition and dogmatically defined in time. Except there's clear evidence of development, so much so that it's a popular Catholic theory as well. The development hypothesis that doctrine simply developed over time. It could be well and fine and dandy if Scripture truly showed that, but what Scripture shows is a coherent and consistent throughout all of Scripture um, revelation, a truth, a particular truth that is evidenced throughout the whole of Scripture 
but that's fullness of is indeed revealed in time but there's barely a shred of evidence for a lot of the claims of the church to be a post-apostolic age um, of the faith. We have the Didache deciding to make the bread of the Eucharist less about um, Christ's body and more about the gathering of the church through their prayer. Uh, we have Barnabas uh, quoting uh, transubstantiation, uh, apologized uh, passage in John 6. However, instead, Barnabas makes it spiritual, just as I take it that Christ is speaking spiritually. Uh, as Augustine says in his, uh, I believe it's, if I remember correctly, it's the sermon that's often quoted, misquoted, misquoted. Um, to say Rome has spoken, when in fact that's nowhere near what was said, um, nor the contextual implication of saying such a thing as was said, um, that Augustine also, or Augustine, sorry, uh, said regarding uh, the Eucharist. Uh, he brought up the, uh, it could have been someone else, I could be mistaken, I think, but he brought up the, um, Christ's own words, uh, flesh counts for nothing, my words are spirit and they are life, um, and applying that to what was before, um, man, I hope I stated my point with that sentence when I started it, because now by the end of it, I have forgotten what, you, what point I was trying to make. Theophilus, I wish I had more energy and time to um, speak with you, to you, but <laughs> that would be compromising on about enough money each month, uh, which would quickly run out. Um, That's about it. Other than that, it would probably improve my mental health. Um, and that's why you need to get a job that you'll love. If you love your job, you don't work a day in your life. That's why I actually feel pretty pretty good about reading scripture to y'all. It's, it's not a chore to me. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing. And I like doing it. And I want to keep doing it. Um... Theophilus, I may have to consign next week to simply skipping the program. Uh, whether I come back with a season two, episode one of Most Excellent Theophilus, or something, or just a regular another installment. I suppose that is up for the will of God <laughs> to decide. To choose. And again, I apologize for yet another truncated episode. Um, but this is new. Don't really have much of a quote-unquote delivery time. 
other than keeping tabs on Spotify to see when Spotify updates uh, that it's uploaded my episode. Um, that's when I usually put the word out. I don't have to have the set this to the time when it sounds. Gotta, gotta love making yourself way too busy, huh, Theophilus? I know I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that lovely jaunt of a ramble, let us turn, if you want, uh, let us turn to Matthew 5. benediction. Three through twelve, Jesus spake these things to his disciples. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Go in the peace and love and in light of the last four videos. The beautiful covenant of Christ's blood that has brought you peace. Go in the peace and love of the Lord of peace, the prince and king indeed of shalom, of true peace with God, who can save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Christ. Go in that love and in that peace. Till we meet again.